comes from that. Hey everybody, happy Friday. This is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music podcast, the podcast where I discuss music genre over a glass of wine. I'd like to welcome you on a Friday night. I hope everybody is doing well on a Friday. I was in another platform trying to go live through that platform and I'm still not it's still not working for me. I don't know what is going on, but um, nevertheless, we're going to keep it moving. All right. So anyone that is here tonight, please hit that uh, like and subscribe. Hi, Auntie. I'm glad you are here tonight. Um, please hit that like and um, share the podcast in the broadcast with someone else. Okay. Um, before we get started, um, I do have t-shirts, the, for my other, um, business, I am a natural woman t-shirts. I do have that half actually in stock here available for local um, buyers. If you're interested in getting a, I am a natural woman t-shirt, um, matter of fact, let me show you. Very nice um, quality T-shirt. Um, the it's a Gildan Gildan um, quality, which is you know personally pretty good, and it, it is, and it and it kind of stretches, so it gives you some wiggle room in there. So if you're interested in purchasing one for me from me, um, I'll make sure that you get it, and it's fifteen dollars. Okay, I do have. Um, two smalls, two mediums, two large, and one extra large. All right, so let's get started for uh, tonight's episode, episode number two of the season two of the jazz genre. So today I wanted to discuss um, one of the early innovators of the jazz music, which is um, Jelly Roll Morton. Um, he was one of them. He wasn't the actual first person, but he was one of the earlier uh, jazz artists who created the um, jazz sound. So Ferdinand Joseph Lamoth was born on October 20th, either 1890 or 1885, depending on which um, source you want to go with. Again, you know, back then the uh, dates, birth dates and everything of uh, certain artists were always, um, always in controversy. No one really knows, you know, the true dates of a lot of these artists. But he was born in New Orleans. Um, he was the son of a mixed Creole parents. And if anybody doesn't know what Creole is, it's a mixture of African, French um, and Spanish heritage. So he came from that, uh, his parents were uh, of mixed heritage. 
Um, for some reason, he took his stepfather's last name. Um, there's nothing really known about his parents per se. So I'm assuming that uh, his biological father wasn't around or maybe he passed away and his mother decided to remarry with a guy named, um, last name is Morton. And so um, Jelly Roll decided to take his stepdad's last name. Um, at the age of 10 or at the age of eight, depending on, again, the source, he began playing the piano. And he actually started playing the piano in the red light district. And if anybody who knows about New Orleans, um, the red light district is the area where there was a lot of prostitutions or down what they call it, bordellos. So at age eight and 10 or age, you know, still young, he was playing, he learned, he taught himself how to play the piano. And I guess he was good enough to where he um, started playing in a lot of these um, areas, seedy areas in the red light district <laughs> at eight years old. So this young man has seen a lot at his, I mean, at a, at a very, very early age. Um, it was there that he received his um, nickname Jelly Roll because he was able to um, blend the style of ragtime and the blues in his um, piano playing. So being, um, being able to infuse both of those type of um, sounds, um, people start nicknaming him Jelly Roll. So here and after, this is what I'm going to refer him as. Um, when he was became a teenager, I guess he had enough of the uh, the red light scene. He decided to, as a teenager, he decided to leave New Orleans and he um, became a music performer in Vaudeville, which was part of the um, minstrel shows. So he became, you know, during his teenage years, he became to play for those type of uh, shows. And he was a pimp. He became a gambler. He was a pimp and a musician. So he uh, seemed to live a very fast life at a very uh, young age. Um, if you see a picture of him, he's very nice looking. Very, He was a very nice looking man. And so um, I guess <laughs> he used his good looks, you know, just to, you know, to become a pimp. And... And I think in some sources said that he was actually was in jail for um, for a little bit. But um, obviously it didn't stop him from composing and, and making music. So um, he after leaving, you know, the New Orleans area and after and, and while doing so of being a pimp and a gambler, and a womanizer, um, he made his way out to Los Angeles for, and he stayed out there for about five years. But his really mark was made when he moved from Los Angeles to Chicago. It was in Chicago in 1922 that he started to produce 
and started to hone in his craft of um of what was was now known as jazz. Um, his first um rec earlier recordings, um, he had a seven piece band. And they were called the Red Hot Peppers, Jelly Morton in Red Hot Peppers. And it consisted of the horns, um, the drums, um, piano of which he played. And there wasn't any vocals. Like I said earlier, like I said last week, earlier um, jazz music, you didn't have vocals. You just had the um, instruments and playing instrumental music. Um, he was able to compose a piece that um, incorporated the swing style. Like I said, he incorporated, he had the ragtime and blues and he up tempo the beat. So it was like a, a, a swing type jazz style, a swing, you know, uh, tone to it. And he pretty much kept to his roots in New Orleans because that that's the style that he played and it came from, you know, New Orleans. So he, he pretty, he didn't devi deviate from that type of style. So he he maintained his roots, and you know, keeping that swing beat when he composed his music. His first hit was called um, the Black Bottom Stomp and Smokehouse Blues, and it was. Uh, that swing and that tone was later patterned by upcoming artists later on down the road. Um, but he remained in that band. The band was doing pretty good um, for four years in Chicago. And so um, he left them um, four years later from 26 to around 1930. Um, in 19, I'm sorry, well, uh, around 1930, he went to um, Kansas City and he wrote the song Kansas City Stomp and Tank Down Bump. Um, again, he kept that um, New Orleans style. He kept his roots. He stayed close to his roots um, of that swing style. And over time, while it was good, it started to wear off because you starting to have more upcoming artists who used his style as a foundation, but they built upon it. And after a while that, that swing style became, you know, kind of outdated. And so after, you know, things started to kind of wear off as far as him performing because I mean, new, new songs, new sounds were coming, you know, were, were the up and coming. So of course, you know, after a while you get, I mean, it gets left by the wayside. It's like um, when you like in the sixties, a lot of that, um, when you first start with well, the fifties into this early sixties, you had that, um, you know, that doo-wop, you know, um, sock hop type, you know, innocent type uh, songs and stuff. And then after a while, you know, it gets played out over time. People wanted to, you know, you got a group or, or a singer that wanted to push the envelope a little farther. 
And so that gained more audience. And so that doo-wop, you know, sock hop type music was starting to, you know, it was getting played out. People wanted more, more um, progressive and more aggressive style music. And that was the same thing that happened to Jelly Roll. And as a result, um, during the um, beginning of the depression years, which was like in the um, late 20s and into the 30s, um, he kind of fell off in the wayside. So, um, however, in um, 1938, Jelly Roll met met the folklorist um, Alan Lomax. Alan Lomax was basically responsible for recording a lot of the early blues uh, genre. So he would go, you know, he wanted to capture that sound. So he would go down south and find these um, musicians, old, you know, country musicians, and he would record their music. So um, he, that's what Alan Lomax was known for. And Jelly Roll was um, able to meet up with him and, from that, Jelly Roll was kind of coming back a little bit. It kind of um, re-energized um, the interest of uh, the public interest of his music because of um, Alan Lomax. And he was invited to come to New York and do some composing and do some recording with some of the side um, artists, such as um, Sidney Beckett, Red Allen and Albert Nicholas. I mean, these were band music um, musicians and um, Jelly Roll was able to um, record some songs with him, with them. Unfortunately, it didn't really go anywhere. I mean, it wasn't as popular. The songs weren't really catching on to the audience or either that or again, it was, you know, still behind time. So he wasn't able to regain his fame like he had in the early um, turn of the century, of the 20th century into the early 20s. So he pretty much was um, kind of left, dropped by the wayside. Um, but, you know, as depressive as that was, he was determined. He was trying his best to try to make a comeback. And um, so he decided to leave New York and go to go back to Los Angeles. Well, he's, you know, figure well, if I can't make it in New York, maybe I'll, you know, try my luck again in um, Los Angeles. Um, so he went back in Los Angeles around the early 40s. And however, unfortunately, um, he was in bad health. Uh, I couldn't find what exactly was his ailment. Um, it could be a combination of things. But in um, October 10th of uh, 41, he passed away. He was in Los Angeles and he was only 50 years old when he passed away. So I'm sorry. Let me change the, the date. He was born in October. He died Jul um, July 10th. So July 10th of 1941, um, Ferdinand Joseph Lamont, a.k.a. Jelly Roll Morton, passed away at the age of 50 for um, bad health reasons. Um, 
And it's ironic as usual, as most often early um, artists is, they didn't get their just dues until after, usually they don't get their just dues in recognition until after they're dead. And Jelly Roll was no exception. Years later, his um, music became um, revitalized. And um, in 1998, he was inducted to the, into the roll, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, as one of the first innovators of the jazz genre. And in 2005, he was um, awarded um, a Lifetime Achievement Award for being um, one of the early um, musicians that innovated the tone and the sound of jazz. So there you have it, um, Jelly Roll Morton. Um, you can go on YouTube or even um, Google him and you'll see pictures of him. Like I said, he he was a he was a he was a very handsome man, very handsome looking man. And um and you can listen to some of the uh his tunes, um, particularly the, the black bottom stomp. And and when you listen to it, it, it does it, it sounds <laughs> uh it, it, it is that early, early turn of the 20th century style of music. But I mean, again, no one else was doing that before him. Um, and even ragtime was different. Ragtime style was different. I mean, it, it was an infusion of ragtime and blues. He just up, up the tempo. So um, that was, uh, that's who he was. So um, anybody have any, um, other, um, artists that they would like to, for me to research and talk about again, um, let me know, just, uh, go on to www.morewineandmusic.com and leave a comment and leave some suggestions. Um, my source for this, uh, biography of Jelly Roll Morton was from biography.com. So um, there you have it. Um, next week, I'm going to be talking about Buddy Bolden. He was a early cornet player. And matter of fact, Jelly Roll had wrote a, a, a song about Buddy Bolden. One of the things, other thing I forgot to mention about um, Jelly Roll, a lot of people... Um, didn't want to play his music because he was actually in some of his interviews. Um, there was a piece that I saw on his interview. He was very, I mean, profanity and he was very raunchy. You know, I guess that, you know, <laughs> the, you know, from being a pimp and, you know, working in those in the red light district and the brothels, you know, he he was very, uh, very open and very raunchy in some of his songs. So, you know, that may be why a lot of uh, it didn't, he didn't get his, even though he's recognized as one of the earlier um, artists, is, it didn't get too many play all around the world because of his language. I was listening to it earlier today and I was like, oh, 
he was saying some, you know, raunchy stuff. So, you know, that, that's that's the interesting fact about him. But he did uh, write a song about um, Buddy Bolden. And uh, so I, I'll be talking about him next week. So stay tuned. And um, happy 4th. And again, if you're interested in purchasing a T-shirt, um, locally, I do have some in stock. I have them here. Um, and I will uh, make sure, Auntie, if there's not a black T-shirt, I, I can definitely um, create one. And uh, I'll order some and have it as um, the white style or the black. So, all right. I guess you guys um, wish you guys well. Wish you guys happy Friday night. Okay. And um, you guys have a nice night. All right. Good night.